0: We're, we're, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the first 11 days of our last three weeks. The last portion, um, the first portion we were in Israel, second portion we were on vacation, the third portion we were in hell. But other than that, the trip was amazing. That's a whole nother story. But um, before we were on vacation on a, on a Europe cruise, we took a trip to Israel. And uh, we just want to spend a few minutes and just slow down, really slow down, and tell you a little bit about not just a trip, uh, but a moment that God gave to us while we were away. Yeah,
1: so, you know, we talk about Israel a lot, and honestly, Joey and I are just really starting to learn so much more about Israel in the last, you know, five, six years, but um, we partner with a, a partner over there on a, like, a monthly basis. Wellspring gives to them every single month financially to help support their ministry, but it's a ministry called Firm, and it's Fellowship of Israel, is is real related ministries and so what they do is they if we
0: had a third service yes, I think I would you get, get that it right, right. there's just too many right.
1: words that like turn into the same word um, but they they have a it's a like it's like a network of 72 Jesus preaching messianic evangelical ministries that exist in Israel that are trying to to uh, reach people for the cause of Christ for in the name of Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah yeah. um so messianic Believing, um, and so they support them. They they resource them financially. They um, network them. They they like, give them, you know. They I don't know. They have like leadership events for them. They just create this community. So we, of give, believers. we give. We to them. as
0: a church yeah. give to Firm Fellowship of Israel Ministries. We give to Firm and Firm disperses, disperses the that to these 72 different ministries.
1: Yes. And so here's a picture of us with uh, Michael and Vanessa. Some of you that have been around for a while, they probably look familiar. They've been here a couple times speaking, but um, this was one of the last nights we had a worship service on this mountainside um, at the TBN studios in Jerusalem. And we were overlooking, if you see behind us, on the hill behind us is the old city of Jerusalem and there's the Temple Mount on the right side. And then on the far left side is where actually, they believe that Jesus was crucified. Um, And so, you know, we actually got a chance to walk that one day too, it was really um, amazing. But we're literally sitting there having dinner, worshiping with about 150 other people and just like looking over at the Temple Mount. Like literally, I mean, I don't know if you, under like the Temple Mount like, was where the Ark of the Covenant was at. And they yeah. still believe it's there somewhere, yeah. but that's where Jesus walked. He taught, and it, it was just, that was just, that they was believe the very. The Ark of the
0: Covenant is underneath the Temple Mount yeah. is what they think, but they can't because uh, the Muslims take, have they have control over the Temple Mount right now. And so the Israelites, the Jewish people cannot dig to find the Ark yeah. of the Covenant. But the Ark of the Covenant is what carried the very presence of yeah. God during the Old Testament. Yeah.
1: So you guys have all seen pictures of the Wailing Wall. That it, the, the Western Wall is the Wailing Wall. It is that because they believe that's the closest that as Jewish people that they can get to the Ark of the Covenant, um, which was, that was a very moving day yeah. too. And again, I, we never really post this, but you guys, I don't know, we had what, like over 100?
0: 100, 175.
1: Yeah, um, message, like little notes that yeah. we were able to put into the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall for you guys and pray over them um, one day. What What they
0: say is uh, every month they take those prayers that are in the wall and they go and they bury them on the Mount of Olives. So just know your prayer was prayed for and it's now will be buried on the Mount of Olives. So here's a
1: group picture of the group that went with us. There were 17 of us. This was day one. So we look, so we look good. It's day one. Um, (laughs) But day 10, maybe we looked a little different, but um, that is right on a, a mountaintop overlooking where the battle of Armageddon will take place. Yeah. So that was very moving. So
0: Israel, Israel, Israel is the land that gives us the Bible. Israel is the land that gives us Jesus. Israel is the land that gives us the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It's where Jesus was born. It's He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He died in Jerusalem. Uh, he was resurrected in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. He will come back on the Mount of Olives. And you and I will live for all of eternity in Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth, for all of eternity. And so Israel is important to the Jewish people. And Israel should be important to you because you're going to live there for forever it's the new heaven and the new earth it's so significant to the movement of God it's beautiful the land is amazing and it's fantastic there are 10 million people that live in Israel 10 million 0.5 percent of people that live in Israel are believers in Yeshua New Testament Jesus and so the name Yeshua we pray typically when we pray in America we pray in Jesus name amen they pray in Yeshua's name amen Yeshua is the new Joshua in the Old Testament Joshua led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land and Yeshua means out of this world into the new world for all of eternity Yeshua Jesus Savior yeah Right now, that there are only about 40,000 Yeshua Christians. New Testament, Jesus came, died, resurrected, and will return again one day. There are only 40,000 Christians in the place where Jesus gave his entire life. You know what that tells me? We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Now, the beautiful thing is that they've done a lot of work. Yeah.
1: So, you know, you know, we all know this, the nation of Israel is not even that, that old as a nation. And there's so much history there. And so in about, about 40 years ago, this couple, their names, and we got to meet them, Wayne and Ann Hillsden. They lived in Canada and they felt um, called to, to plant a church in, in Jerusalem. So when they went there over 40 years ago, there were only 500 believers in the entire nation. And so, um, we got to meet so many people that were like first, second generation believers that were, that lived in Israel. Ones that yeah. were like our, our tour guide, her family, when she was probably in her mid, mid to late forties, her family was one of like five Christian families when Israel became a yeah, nation that yeah. lived in Israel. And so she was telling us when, when she used to like, when I was in high school and we used to go like do things with uh, other Christian teenagers, there was like 20 of us from the whole nation that would get together. Now she there's She's like, now there's hundreds of us that will get yeah. together. And so now there are over, you know, 40,000 Christian, you know, believer in Jesus, um, believers in the nation of Israel. And so that, you know, that's a big jump, and there's still yeah. so again, there's still so many yeah. more to be reached. Yeah. But they're doing a great work over there that we're just it's blessed to be a and part of. Yeah, but they're doing great. Yeah. So
0: let us show you a little bit about our our trip. Here's a little recap video to give you a little insight, and then we'll keep preaching. Check it out. I'm not sure I can describe the difference in my faith from two weeks ago to now. My life is different. I know our ministry is different. I am experiencing Jesus differently every single moment. Now when I read the Bible, it's not just names of places, but attached to memories. I'm excited to go home, to be able to share my moments, my experiences, and help others to see the why.
1: coming together in such a powerful, palatable way. I know it will change and cause me to dig deeper than I ever had before. I'm just picking up the scripture and just, it's coming alive in a whole new way. I've never thought as much about the geography of where Jesus did his ministry.
0: We're seeing much of the book of Acts being repeated in our day, and that's incredibly exciting. His spirit is still moving, and this place really demonstrates very much God's heart for the Jewish people, his chosen people, but also the nations of the earth.
1: When we were worshiping all together in the theater, I I felt very moved. I felt like the Holy Spirit was really there with all of us.
0: The moment that we went to in Getty, as I stuck my feet in, it's hot, it's sunny, it's dry, and I thought about how immediately I was refreshed. I got into the water, and it's like I just heard the Spirit of the Lord remind me, Brandon, this is who I am. I got to preach Jesus' sermon where Jesus preached the sermon. That's a moment that will shape the rest of my ministry life. (laughs) It was awesome. When we were on the Mount of Olives, when we saw the entire city, and I just felt God speak to me that how it's so important that we reach the Jewish people, that I'm compelled and I'm urged uh, to make this something that we do on a consistent basis.
1: are so grateful, Father, for these ministry leaders. I ask that you will fill them with strength, that you will fill them with hope, that you will continue to bring people knocking on their door for them to be able to speak hope and life and love into so many hurting and broken people. I wouldn't trade this trip for anything. Literally being able to move from reading about something to seeing it in reality, everything that we've read in the Bible is real. Like it is true, Jesus is truth. So being able to see that with my own eyes, I couldn't recommend more for people to come here to the land, walk these streets, see the Bible come to life for yourself.
0: That's what we're praying for. That's what this is all about, is seeing a day where God continues to not just do a physical restoration of this beautiful land and what God's done here, but that he does a spiritual restoration in the heart of his people. Come on, isn't that cool? Pretty neat. <clears throat> so we, we had an amazing time. It was fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what we experienced and, and why we think it's important that you go and experience it. I, I, I will say this to you. I think it's, it's important for you to go. I can't afford it, or I, I, I don't have time, or I don't have vacation. I, th- I want to compel you that you need to go, that you, that you have to go. It's, it's imperative that every single follower of Jesus Christ, it, why, why would we go see our favorite athlete play? We'd fly to, to go somewhere to see our favorite athlete play. play. When the person who died for us and gave his life for us lived on this planet why would we not want to go walk where he walked and see what he saw and experience what he experienced you got to go so we got to see and experience so much and while we were there one of the places that we went to was a place called Caesarea Philippi and we've got a picture of that and this beautiful, incredible area right here, and you'll see this mountain right here. There's a hole in there, but there's, this whole region right here is called uh, Caesarea Philippi. This is the moment in the Gospels, and you'll remember this, uh, where Jesus gathered his disciples and he asked the disciples, who do, who do people say that I am? And, and they responded, some say, you're Elijah. Some say, you're an old prophet. Some say, you're John the Baptist. Some say, you're reincarnated from somebody else. And then Jesus drops the mic and Jesus says, but who, who disciples, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? You're the rock. You're the one. You're the one and only. You're alive. And I want you to see something as you, as you see this rock here, because what Jesus was talking about was so much more than Peter being the rock. It was so much more than the rock standing behind him. Jesus would have looked at that rock and, jesus would have said these rocks are dead these rocks have been here for dozens upon hundreds upon thousands of years and they're dead stones but standing right before you i jesus i am a living stone i'm alive and if you build your life on me the new rock the eternal rock your life will never be the same now what i find most fascinating is i read that and study this passage was that the disciples still needed to be reminded of who jesus was yeah. how many of you are thankful for the reminders of jesus yeah. telling yeah. us who he is yeah. Yeah. so yeah. whether you're here today and you're like this is great and this is awesome but i have no de- i'm 14 i have no desire to go to israel or i'm this old and i never know money to go to israel or i'm not a christian and i don't even believe in jesus or wherever you find yourself today here's what i do know beyond anything Jesus wants to continue to remind you of who he is, what the truth is, and how you can believe in him. Because here's what I'm convinced, and here's what the Bible will tell you. What you believe in God actually, actually, what you believe about God will actually determine the outcome of your life. How you believe in God and what you believe about God will determine the outcomes of your life. So
1: at that place also, that Caesarea Philippi right there at that cave was actually a very um, pagan worship. Um, In Jesus' time, like that's all that happened there was pagan worship and there were idols and, you know, very evil demonic things happening there. And so the fact that that's where he was at showing his disciples, like you can be of this, like, like we can live in this dark you know, pagan, broken, corrupt yeah. world. But there's always still a truth to receive yep. of who I am in your life and what I can do. And that you need to continue to follow after me, like turn from this, yeah. follow after me with your whole heart. So it, wasn't
0: ju- it wasn't just that Jesus was preaching the message. Yeah. Listen to me. When you go there, you're reminded of not what he what preached, but in. where he actually yeah. preached. That he went to the most pagan of all places and said, this is where all the pagan gods are worshipped. Yeah. These de- But they're dead. Yeah they're dead and they will always be dead but one day i am alive and i will be dead and i will no longer be dead again and so when you're living and when you're building and when you're creating be reminded that those dead stones of the old pagan gods i'm different because i'm alive 40 days later i'm ascending up into heaven i want you to be reminded of what is going to happen disciples be reminded of that so what we want to do today is we want to give you four truths about god some of you are in this service and you were with us you were on the trip and you experienced some of the great things that we experienced so we are just the talking heads yeah. for all 17 175 people that went and today we just want to tell you four truths about god that april and i learned about our time in israel four truths yeah. about god that we learned that is different while we were in israel
1: yeah first so number one is. one is we serve a god who is real and again, you're probably thinking, well, of course we serve a God who is real. Why would we be in church? Or why would we, you know, be following Jesus if we didn't believe He was real? But I think that when you, when you start putting things into context and seeing things differently through a different lens, I think a lot of us literally look at life through the same lens every single day of our life. We rarely put on a different lens, whether it's the lens of the Bible or the lens of another believer that has experienced different things than you. We we kind of sometimes just always see stuff one way. And we were asked the very last night, one of the very last nights, we were sitting in a room with about 20 other pastors and leaders and Michael asked us this question, which again, when he asked us, I think we're all like, oh yeah, we all know the answer. He said, what is one word that you would use to describe God? And we went around the room and we all said stuff like love and grace, compassion. He's merciful, he's powerful. And he said, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Those are all things. Those are all true. He's like, but what do you think a, a, a Jewish believer would say if you asked them that same question? You know, we're all thinking, oh, they'd say the same things. He's like, no, they would say something like strong tower that God is, God protects them. Yeah, and as yeah. Proverbs 18, 10. They see him differently. Do you understand? They, they see it differently. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. They don't see him as this adju- adjective like we do. Like, oh, we're, we're going to talk about his love. They're ta- they want to talk about who he is.
0: They care more about who he is than what he does. Yeah. Where I'll be honest with you as an American Christian, we care more about who what he does than who he is. Yeah. So, so for oh the- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need you to get that. <laughs> And I'll be honest with you, I didn't get it until I was there. Yeah. We are so wanting the power. We so want mercy. We so want compassion. And Jewish believers in Israel, they're less concerned about what he does and they're more concerned about who he is. Because if they can get close to who he is, yeah. then they get the byproduct of what he does. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. If they can get to the strong tower, then they will be safe. So they, you know, a strong tower was an ancient, was a place in an ancient city where you could run to when you're facing danger and you would find safety and protection. They would also say that God is their shield. In Psalms 28 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. To be under God's shield is to have God's, God as your protector, to trust that he will always look out for you, to safeguard you. Um, it means that we are his, that we belong to him. We fight under his shield and yeah. he protects us as his own. And then the, my most favorite is that, and again, we don't really see this because we don't really understand what this e person even is, you know, living in America, is that he's our shepherd. The Lord, Psalms 23, one through three, the Lord is my shepherd. He gives us all that we need. He, he gives us rest. He leads us. He renews us. He guides us and, and through all this, it brings honors to his name. So to say that the Lord is my shepherd is not saying that he's my shepherd. I own him. It's saying that the Lord owns us. We yeah. are his sheep. We are, we are his property. He has purchased us, we are not wild, he has purchased us at a price and he cares for us with love and grace.
0: I think the beautiful thing about the Jewish Christians is God is so real to them. He's real, he's tangible, closeness. There's a yoking and a union that they have. Second thing that we learned is that we serve a God of people and places. That it, uh, one of the most magical and beautiful parts about being in Israel, and this is why we want to invite you to come with us next year. We think it'd be really cool for all of you to go. We, we think it'd be really neat for us to fill up an entire bus, a couple buses, and for us to have an entire group and to have the largest church there. But what I want you to know that I thought was so important is when you, when you go to Israel, you understand the significance of the geographical parts they come alive so in the back of your bible you've got maps do you not hello question they're maps, but you skip over them you don't even read them they're they're like an addendum to the bible in fact many of us don't even read the bible read read it off our phones we even see a passage of scripture that talks about a place and we skip right over it to get to whatever the benefit of being a christian would give us but the geographical significance of being in Israel was so powerful because 80% of what Jesus did in ministry happened around this sea called the Sea of Galilee or Lake Geneset or Tiberias, Lake Tiberias. They're all the same thing. And when you picture the Sea of Galilee, for me, I pictured, I pictured Atlantic Ocean or uh, I pictured the Gulf of Mexico and you picture this massive, massive body of water. Because when when Jesus said in Matthew four, Jesus went throughout Galilee. I'm picturing Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Here's a picture of what Galilee looked like. This would be a map here, and you'll see down at the in the middle the blue little circle is what's called the Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias or Gennesaret. It's the lake. It's very small. It's not big. And then you'll see right there in the middle, if you can read that, there's a town called Magdala. From Magdala to the right side, that right square, is Bethsaida. Magdala and Bethsaida are about 15 to 20 miles apart. 80% of the ministry that Jesus did is in that 15-minute, 15-mile window to uh, Magdala to Bethsaida. You've got Capernaum. You've got You've got Genneset, then you have Chorazin up at the top. Chorazin was one of the two uh, cities that Jesus cursed. He said nothing good comes from that. Chorazin. This region, when I picture it, I picture when Bible says that Jesus went down to Jerusalem from the Sea of Galilee. I'm thinking it's like us and Ruskin going to the Apollo Beach Starbucks. She's right down the road. I guess it's half a second away. Just order my drink and then pull in and get it. It's 100 miles from Sea of Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem. But every single little town up in the Sea of Galilee is made up of little fishing towns, Capernaum. Capernaum is where uh, Peter would have lived. Cornelius, the first Gentile Christian, grew up there. These little, little fishing towns where Jesus would show up and people would be changed because of Yeshua. We also
1: have a picture of a sunrise on the Sea of Galilee um, and so like, so you, you see how like we're on one side of the lake and you can see the other side of the lake. It's really not is, that big. It's actually quick. pretty small.
0: Um, uh, this is significant because at the end of the message, i want to share a story with you and I need you to have this picture in your image, this picture in your mind. Notice we're on one side. Notice common sense, looking at the other side is really easy to see the other side. That'll be significant in just a moment.
1: So we got to do, uh, you know, a lot of see a lot of things on the Sea of Galilee. One thing that you probably saw in the video was looked like we were picking up trash and we did. One morning we literally went into, we were staying in Tiberias. And so we went to the beach in time because really this is where they vacation. It's where they go to the beach. Um, And we picked up trash for like an hour into uh, on this. And I mean, it needed it. And we worked with a ministry that's called the beautiful project yeah. i think our beautiful experiment or something like that and their whole thing is to is to continue to keep the area clean yeah. and really it's with a it's how they're reaching people yeah
0: by That's just doing way.
1: something very simple yeah. you know um so we got to serve with that so even on this trip even though yes it was sightseeing it was touring it was hearing a lot of information we actually got to serve the people of israel yeah. too
0: so there was a moment we were out on the sea of galilee we rented two boats. It was 175. We rented two boats, like Jesus, like. Wooden boats. Jesus boats. <laughs> we got on two of them, half on one, half on the other. And out on the Sea of Galilee, we got to worship Jesus. Check out this video. It's a very raw video, but.
1: All together,
0: We all weren't great singers. Jesus walked on that water like Jesus walked yeah. on water where we worshiped him in a boat like he walks on the water he chose his disciples on that lake most of his ministry was done in this small area of Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee he he Peter, his disciple, one of his best friends, lived in uh, Capernaum. And most likely, Jesus lived with Peter when he was in town in Capernaum. So when we read scriptures in Matthew 9, it says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and all the villages and all the area. And as he traveled, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and illness, it becomes real to us because we saw it, yeah. because we experienced it, because we saw the towns, we experienced the moments, and we saw what Jesus yeah. did. One of the beautiful places that we got to go was, we were, uh, saw the remains of uh, a beautiful uh, synagogue in, um, in, uh, right, you go, you go, me. Let me show you this picture, let me show you this picture. <laughs> this picture that's right you, here that's you, that's this, a, this is a beautiful picture of what's an old synagogue so one of the towns we got to go to was Malaga Magdala sorry Magdala
1: <laughs> he's he's <laughs> we're just uh, that, that's your point babe yeah it is my yeah, point got, I
0: got yeah. it I got you babe yeah we got it we got to go to Magdala I kind of
1: messed up the first service so you like, did. We're you, you were
0: inviting people after I already invited people uh, <laughs> we got to go to Magdala and uh magdala is the city where uh mary magdalene was from and if you know anything about mary magdalene jesus was very fond of mary magdalene he healed her she was demon possessed and he healed her and she was the first one to go to the uh the grave when uh jesus had died uh she was significant well what's interesting this is fascinating that 17 years ago uh, so many people were visiting israel Uh, to see the Sea of Galilee, to see the area where Jesus did and performed most of his miracles. And so they built a hotel. And as they were excavating and starting to build the hotel, they found, listen to me, they found the entire town of Magdala. And in this town, they found an actual synagogue where Jesus would have preached. An area where Mary Magdalene would have heard Jesus preach for the very first time. Now, when archaeologists are there and they're excavating areas, they rate them based on the validity of how accurate and true that this probably is. And what archaeologists have done is they've rated this site, what is called an A-list site. So they know a thousand percent That this was an actual synagogue where Jesus would have preached in Magdala. How stinking cool is that?
1: Yeah, that is awesome.
0: 17 years ago they found this. Yeah. And he walked there. Still today, 2,000 years later, they are still discovering places where Jesus had walked. Yeah.
1: So on, on the very first day, we got to visit this so place. So cool. It is very cool. I'm, I'm right there with Nobody's you. Nobody's excited like right, you and I, I are. I am right there with you. <laughs> I'm just so pumped. We preaching, know. sitting down hard. I know. Um, so the very first day, we went to this place um, called Caesarea Maritime, and yeah. it's actually on the Mediterranean Sea, not on the Sea of Galilee, on the Mediterranean Sea, and <clears throat> this is the very first man-made port. This is Yeah, life-altering. And so they right here is where the gospel would have been spread to the whole entire world. So this would have been where um, Paul would have left for every single one of his missionary journeys. So if you the port
0: is right there on the top left, that would be the port. Every missionary journey that Paul went on started out of that port.
1: Yeah. So if you're following Jesus today, it's because of this port. Because Paul left and went to the went to the nations from this port. There was also a few like this is where he was actually in prison yeah. when Cornelius when he was um, able to witness to Cornelius the um, the guard. Yeah. So that was I mean first of all the Mediterranean Sea is beautiful, but to actually see and there was so many. I mean there's like I think um, um, Caesar had a, a, a palace, palace there, there. so yeah. you could see some of the palace yep. still. Um, Herod 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 the Great Yes Herod the Great The Great Builder Herod the Great Had a palace there So that's Caesarea Maritime I understand it's there's Caesarea Maritime So there's a lot of towns there With a lot of yeah. weird names Here's what we
0: want you to know As you look at this picture I wonder if Paul knew Yeah That thousands of years later People would still be receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior Because of his faithful yeah. Yes I will step out And I will go to the first city Yeah yeah Think about the Gentiles that have received Yeshua as their Lord and Savior because one man's yes. So can I say this to you, church, in your context? Don't underestimate. Nothing you do right now is small. Nothing you're doing right now is inconsequential. Nothing you're doing is too mundane or ordinary. Your yes being put on the table is going to reverberate for generations to come because you said yes, I will say yes to Jesus. See? god is all about places and people here's the third thing is we serve a god who hears our cry we serve a god who hears our cry heard this beautiful story while we were there of a town that this is this is literally like months this is 2023 new like new discovery information this year not ancient this is discovered this year just this spring Just this spring, they discovered a town called Hippos. Now, that town may not mean anything to you, but as you study the Gospels, you will know, especially the book of Acts, is you will know that Hippos is one of the ten cities, one of the Decapolis that Jesus referred to, the Roman cities, he referred to ten. Hippos was one of them. And there was a moment in the Gospels, and you'll know it, where Jesus is on this hill, and he says, this hill represents a city. And you are a Christian. You are a city on a hill. Don't let your light out. Do you remember this passage? Let your light shine among men so that they may know me as Lord and Savior. Do you remember this? Yes. Jesus was on hippos when he proclaimed this message. So as Jesus is on, I wish we had a picture of it, but as Jesus is on this little hill of hippos, he could see to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He could see to the other side. There had to have been moments as he's on this hill where he could hear. You saw the picture. He could hear. He could feel. He could sense as the the airways and the wind and the acoustics were reverberating off of the shore, the water. He could hear the other side. He could hear it. And in Luke chapter 8, the Bible says this one day jesus said to his disciples let us go over to the other side of the lake so they got in a boat and they set out now as i read that for years i've read that you've read it as well i i thought it was like random like i thought it was like jesus got up one morning and said let's go on a boat ride it's like what you're going to do this week you're like you want to rent a boat let's go take the boat out let's go to beer island and let's make some pb and j's and let's let's hang out and let's spend some time together let's just randomly get up one morning and just go take the boat out. that's what i thought it was until i was there and saw it and saw that there was nothing nothing random about this because they encountered a storm did they not They encountered this storm, and Jesus calms the storm. We asked somebody when we were on the boat, we said, hey, do you see those storms anymore? And they said, just last year, they saw a storm that was so strong that it had six to eight feet of waves on the Sea of Galilee. So we see it. It wasn't random. Jesus got in the boat because on that hill, as he declared there will be a city on a hill. Jesus must have heard something on the other side of the sea that none of the other disciples heard before. So they sailed to the region of Genneses, Gennes, which was across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he met a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had worn out clothes and lived in a house, but he lived in tombs. Tombs. what do you mean by tombs that's weird because in our day and age we see a cemetery and there's like a tombstone on the cemetery come on are you following me yeah. see a graveyard and there's tombstones in Jesus's day a tomb wasn't a, yeah. a cemetery it was caves it was the side of a cave so a person would die they'd put their body into a tomb and they would find these bodies and these bones years later and it, they'd find them and go this is so-and-so's body this was their tomb that they were in and The Bible says that this man, this demon-possessed man, was living in this tomb, but he was alive. But he was dead. But he was alive. And night after night, day after day, he would cry. Jesus must have heard the sound, the wind and the acoustics. So he tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. There's something we must do on the other side. So Jesus goes to the other side. He calms the storm, he gets to the other side. And he finds this demon-possessed man. And Jesus doesn't talk to the man, but he talks to the demons inside of the man. And I'll just quickly elaborate, quickly uh, minimize, like simplify what he did. Get out, demons. It's time to get out. So what do the demons say? Do you remember the story? What do the, the demons say back to Jesus? We'll get out, but will you at least throw us in the pigs? Do you remember that? So Throw us to the pigs. So Jesus honors the request. He casts the demons out of the man into the pigs. And moments later, the Bible says the pigs ran off the side of the hill into the sea, the lake. What sea? What lake? The Sea of Galilee. Years later, this was not an area where they would farm pigs. This is not a place where animals would be. But years later, they found thousands upon thousands of pig bones that could have only been there because of this story in Luke chapter 8. Verse 35. So when they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out. And now he's free. And he's sitting dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged. He wanted to go with Jesus. (laughs) Let me go with you in the boat and go to the other side. I want to stay with you. And what does Jesus say? No, return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away, told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. The next chapter, we read the story of what's called the feeding of the 5,000. And what do we see in the feeding of the 5,000? The feeding of the 5,000 happened because of this man's yeah. testimony of what Jesus had did in his life. And now thousands of people were fed and received yeah. the message of Yeshua because of one man's faithfulness to go tell yeah. everybody what Jesus had done for them.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, we went, to, we went to where the feeding of the 5,000 yeah. happened, and it's literally right between those two cities on yeah. the Sea of Galilee. like, yeah. like I mean, it's just, it it is so amazing how the people just came from another town. It wasn't like they had to travel, like they were coming from the towns where people were going and telling, telling others what Jesus had done for them, the miracles that Jesus had already performed. It was like they, it was like all of us maybe going to Tampa to meet because we've heard that there's this, there's this person there that we've got to see. And they were all just walking there to see him. Like that was such an amazing, there's so much there too about even how Jesus could have stood at the bottom of that mountain. And it's really a hillside in our context yeah. and preached to those people. Yeah, and they don't know mountains like Colorado knows he mountains. He didn't even need a microphone. I mean, can you imagine speaking to 5,000 people? You would, you would, most people would need a microphone, but the way that God had created the Sea of Galilee and these hillsides, they didn't even need a microphone. He could have, and they've scientifically tested it. Yeah. That you could stand there you could stand anywhere at the bottom or at the top and everybody around you would be able to hear what you were saying we and preaching.
0: saw The very hill yes. where Jesus fed five thousand yeah. people. Fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is very fascinating.
0: So here's number four, and then we're done. Is we serve a God of intentionality.